1: i'm mick garrison we are back with postmortem ama the fun size episode where you ask me your questions and joe russo will field your questions to me producer joe how are you today
0: i am doing great mick how are you uh
1: considering the circumstances better than i have any right to
0: well let's hope by the time this airs the world is a better place uh and, and in that spirit, let's start with some really hard-hitting questions.
1: Oh, great.
0: You know how I like to throw the tough ones at you first?
1: Yeah, the hard yeah. ones.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. T.D. Perro wants to know what your favorite movie-going concession snack is.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, this is a tough one. You know, I only ever get a drink and popcorn. I don't. We yeah. really do the candy thing, uh, you know. Probably plenty of choices there, but you just can't beat popcorn when you're watching a movie.
0: No, it's true. It's true. That's that's something that I probably miss the most about movie theaters that I didn't think I would. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably the shortest answer we need today.
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, actually, I might have one that you can answer just as quickly. Uh, sticking on the, the food subject, oh, God. Alex, Alex Greenwood asks, what is your favorite craft service snack?
1: well interesting um there's so much junk on a craft service table you know they have just just so
0: people know craft service is what you call basically the snack bar on a movie or tv set
1: right they put out a table of of things so everybody can keep their energy up during the course of of production on a 12-hour day So, I mean, fruit is always good. Uh, A a granola bar probably is the thing I'll most go for. And if I'm really indulging myself, it's hard to avoid a cookie now and then.
0: I I feel like I saw you grab some cookies and chocolate on on Nightmare Cinema. Yeah,
1: there might have been a couple of times. (laughs) That also
0: might have been when you were producing more than directing.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot more waiting when you're producing than when you're directing.
0: That's true. I feel like when you're directing, you barely have time to see the craft service table. Exactly.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. You don't, you're not near it nearly as much as everybody else can tend to be. Uh, it, it, so that's and, a nice and, short one too.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, this one might also be short, but I, I think it's interesting. Uh, Jason D. Kim, uh, who hails from Hawaii, uh, wants to know, have you ever vacationed in Hawaii?
1: I have. I had my honeymoon in Hawaii, uh, and I've been to uh, Kauai a handful of times, as well as Oahu and Maui, and it's an amazingly beautiful place.
0: Yes, it is. I, we were supposed to go last April, and it really bums me that that trip still hasn't been yeah. rescheduled.
1: <laughs> well, you may not even be able to this April. Here's yep,
0: how- no, I don't think so. Uh, Jeremy Foote wants to know, would you ever come back to shoot in Nova Scotia again?
1: Yeah, I I really had a great experience there. Although, you know, because it is not-
0: What did you shoot in Nova Scotia? uh, We shot
1: Bag of Bones there. And it was the perfect location because it is so near Maine that it looks very much like Maine. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so because of so many Maine-centered Uh, stories that stephen king has written it's the perfect place to do that the the one drawback is the the depth of crews there aren't it's not a product production center like toronto is or or vancouver um so there are really good crews there but because there's not a lot of production there there's not a lot of crews there so we had to bring in because uh, the Dead Zone series was going on at the same time where it's a much longer lasting job if you are a working crew member to take on a series than to do a two-part mini series. So we brought in all of our uh, key crew uh, the director of photography, the production designer, the makeup effects guys from Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. So uh, that was the one drawback, but we had a great time doing that. And I would love to go back there and shoot again.
0: Oh, it's great to hear. Um, Dauntless videographer asks, <laughs> which of your movies was the most fun to work on is there one that stands out above and beyond i guess we can include mini series and such too
1: Uh, well the most fun was probably quicksilver highway which nobody's seen but we had just completed the shining which was a lot of work it was also a lot of fun and the one time i felt like we had a sufficient budget to do it really the way we intended to do it but we'd finished that and i got the opportunity to do quicksilver highway almost immediately after finishing the shining and it was just fun the script it was a recreational horror movie is what i like to call it and a lot of the same crew were back um it it wasn't heavy Sturman und drama uh and Everybody wanted to make it. Fox did not make TV movies at the time and they were doing this as a backdoor pilot, but their TV movie department and their uh, series programming people didn't know each other. And I don't think ever spoke. So it never became a series, but it was such a good time and so much fun. And the makeup effects guys were, were a blast to work with. The cast was wonderful to work with and, and, um, You know, it was it was just a really good time, and it was a low stress production. So that was one of the most things, uh, most fun things I've ever worked
0: on. That sounds lovely, and you'll be happy to know we down down the line we actually do have a Quicksilver Highway question. So at least one one of our listeners has (laughs) seen it. Uh, (laughs) uh, All right, next, Rick Humphries wants to know if there has ever been a time on set where you embarrass yourself to the amusement of the cast and crew.
1: Why would I reveal it to Rick Humphreys? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's ask Mick anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, I'll tell you one thing that happened that wasn't necessarily funny, but I was very frustrated on the set of one of the productions with one of the actors who was getting a little on in years and having a lot of trouble delivering their lines, remembering their lines. So we kept trying and trying and trying, and then we did cue cards repeatedly, and and that wasn't working out very well either. And in frustration once, um, I kicked an apple box. This wasn't <laughs> your standard apple box. It was made by our grip department and it was steel lined and I broke my foot. (laughs) I mean, not to the point where I got a cast on it. I got a walking cast, but I I broke my foot and I'm sure there were some stifled amusement that they didn't show in front of me. But uh, rather than lose my temper with an actor uh, and make things even worse, I took it out on myself and uh, I paid the consequence. (laughs)
0: <laughs> did you end up like, did you finish the day with a broken foot before you went to the doctor or what, what happened? How did you,
1: I, I, I never went to the doctor. It was fractured and it swelled up to three times its size. And oh, all no. yeah, I finished the day and we just went on, you
0: know? Oh, wow. Was what well, I mean? But it must've been bugging you for the rest of the shoot. I imagine. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh no.
1: It's the price you pay.
0: It it, it can be. Uh, All right. Uh, Burns 508 asks, do you keep any props from your movies? And if so, what is your favorite?
1: I do. Uh, I have several of them. I, I wish I had more of them. But in this very office studio where we do the podcast, I have Mother's Corpse from Psycho 4. Um, I have some of the cantas from Desperation. But the number one prop I have is out on the path leading to the doorway of my office studio is one of the topiary lions from The Shining.
0: It's so cool. Uh, (laughs) One of my favorite that I feel like most people probably won't get to see is in your attached bathroom, you have soap from uh, the Overlook Hotel. Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> well, those were promotional things. They were. Little,
0: still, oh, all right, fair enough. It's still very fun. It's a, yeah. it's a very fun little touch. Um, well, I also
1: have the keychain um, for Psycho 4 with room one.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a great thing to
0: have. I haven't seen that one before. Yeah. Um, all right, so the Quicksilver Highway question is kind of related. Uh, Mark Nye asks Who designed the chattery teeth? for Quicksilver Highway and where are they now?
1: <laughs> they are in my office on the top of my uh, pinball machine. It's not a mobile version of them. They they don't chatter, but it's a big stable one that it was made by Steve Johnson's company, XFX. And uh, they did all the makeups in the stand and the shining and Quicksilver Highway for me. And uh, really great stuff. I'm not sure which of his artisans uh, uh, sculpted it it might have been steve himself it might have been billy corso but it came from from them and it's it proudly sits atop the creature from the black lagoon pinball machine that i have in my office studio here
0: there you go you guys got a, a look into Mix office <laughs> <You did indeed. laughs> uh christian hannah wants to hear about the first time you ever spoke to stephen
1: king <clears throat> the first time the actual first time was at a science fiction bookstore in Santa Monica. And I was doing my Z channel interview show at the time and he was signing books and I was just a guy in line with a book to be signed. And when I got to him, I asked him if it would be possible for him to come on the show. And he said, (laughs) well, I'm rarely in California and I don't think I could do that. So, so that doesn't really matter much, but but
0: but all these years later, you got him on post-mortem. So.
1: <laughs> Indeed, we did. And it's the only podcast he's ever done an interview on. Um, but, uh, but the first time I actually had a conversation with him uh, of import was – that first phone call when I talked to him about Sleepwalkers when I was hired to direct Sleepwalkers. And we had our very first conversation and, and met each other. And and uh, and that was the very first time.
0: Were you nervous going into that phone call?
1: Uh, yes and no. The fact that he liked Psycho 4 enough to approve me as the director gave me some confidence to to enter into that phone call. <laughs> But I'm nervous when I start on any new project and especially, you know, he's one of the gods.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of other cinematic gods, uh, Antonio Papantonio, I butchered that name, uh, wants to know. Sorry. About your colla- yeah. Sorry, Antonio. Uh, wants to know about your collaboration with Robert Zemeckis in Go to the Head of the Class.
1: Ah, Yes. That was an Amazing Stories episode. And uh, I was lucky to have come up with a story idea. This was in season two. Steven Spielberg came up with all 22 story ideas for season one and most of the story ideas for season two. I was the story editor on season one of Amazing Stories. It was my first screenwriting job. And uh, so I came up with the idea of go to the head of the class and uh tom mclaughlin and i wrote the screenplay together after i'd I'd written the story and so um the luck of the draw was that bob zemeckis responded to it and wanted to direct that one bob is a brilliant filmmaker and it comes up with so many great ideas of how to do things. One in particular I remember is is Christopher Lloyd's character losing his head and it ending up in a chair. And the, it, it all happens in one shot. And it's like, how is that possible that they did that? Um, and Bob is one of those guys who is really good at how did they do that stuff. But we didn't really work together very much. Once you give over your script, the director takes it over and he and Bob Gale, who was his writing partner at the time, did a draft of the script themselves. Wow. And, and it lengthened, it turned into a one hour script rather than the half hour that Tommy and I had originally written. But that was such a great experience. It was my first job as a screenwriter and, and then as a director, my second. Um, and the opportunity to go to school with, you know, your professors are Steven Spielberg and Bob Zemeckis and Joe Dante and Peter Hyams and all these people who, you know, Joe and Bob and, and, and Peter all directed scripts that I had written. So it was an amazing film school opportunity and go to the head of the class. You know, it's something when you're the writer and you can hang out on the set and watch, you know, and Martin Scorsese, same thing there. Yeah. Uh, do you so,
0: think was there any any one directing uh, arrow from from watching Bob that you put into your quiver? You well,
1: it was it was just really magic tricks, how to yeah. make things happen live on camera that did not require any digital effects, uh, of which there were none at that time, or any other kinds of visual effects. But he would do it live in the camera, and and it just really impressed me. And he he's a, a guy filled with ingenuity.
0: And he's still doing that. He's still constantly trying to find new camera trickery to, to push, you know, visuals
1: He's blazing trails all the time.
0: Yep. Uh, well, Nick, that wraps up our questions for this week. Um, all
1: right. Thank you, Joe. And thank you everyone out there for joining us on postmortem AMA, the fun size show. And uh, you can send me your questions to Joe Russo tweets to uh, Mick Garris PM on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook at the Postmortem with Mick Garris page. And so I look forward to seeing what you have to ask and to having Joe ask it on your behest. Thank you, Mick. Thanks, Joe. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to Producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, mickgarrisinterviews.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes.